It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Just fucking minion, though. It's all just a little bit of history repeating. Welcome to another edition of the Roker Report podcast in association with Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen. We are uh, just post-final whistle at the whole game. We've drawn one all. Um, another drab performance, really. Not not the most inspiring game, um, but hopefully to drag some life out of it. I'm joined today by Chris Wynn. How are you doing, Chris? Uh, yeah, I don't think you can have much luck dragging life out of that game from me, but I'll try. Okay, well, in that case, I'm looking to you, John. John Stacey, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm full of life. <laughs> Always for the life, mate. Okay, so we'll, we'll crack straight on with it then. So uh, a bit of an impromptu game. One of those short notice rearranged ones that you tend to see in the Sunday League. But nonetheless, uh, we uh, we played at home to second in the league, Hull City, who themselves aren't on, on a particularly brilliant run. And the team, by and large, unchanged. A bit of shuffling at the back. I think uh, McFadzian come in for Flanagan and Sanderson moved into centre-back and McFadzian uh, then moved out to, to left-back. I'll start with you, Chris. Were there any surprises in that for you, given how flat the nil-nil against Northampton was? And on paper, at least, our bench looked pretty strong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I put in the this week's preview for the whole game. I said um, I just had a feeling that uh, after the Northampton game, where we were so poor up front, and it wasn't just... And if he'd, if he'd watched videos of Sunderland games this season, he'd have seen that it wasn't a one-off. That's how we've attacked this season. And I put in the preview that I just thought... Being a proactive manager, like you know, everyone's talking about, he changed something up, and I don't know how that. Dare I say it? It smacked of Parky, where he just went in and tried the same <laughs> thing again. And I, I, I mean, after watching the Northampton game, why would you go in and try the same thing again up front? It just makes no sense, especially with all those attacking players on the bench. So I just thought he would change something up front. Um, at the back, I, I, I don't know if anything's come out about Flanagan, but um. Uh, we'll get into it, but I like Sanderson at the back. We'll talk about him more, I'm sure. Mm. I wasn't too surprised or that fussed about the changes at the back, but just amazed he didn't change anything up top. Yeah, yeah, I was quite surprised. Obviously, we don't know what's gone on behind the scenes in terms of players' fitness, you know, how any of those positive COVID tests, how, how those guys have recovered. But majority of people who were out on the pitch today uh, would have had at least some sort of training for the last week or so. What about you, John? Are you surprised to see a a by and large unchanged starting eleven. Yeah, I, I think I'll echo Chris. Really, I think I'm not surprised because I think I'm still in Parky mode. I think I need a bit more time to get used to the fact that Parky's not manager. But um, at the same time, I did harbour more hope than usual that there would be some changes because that game was horrendous. Mm. You know, so it needed shifting around somewhere. I actually kind of thought to myself that 
you change the midfield because I just thought that the three of Power, Scowen and Ledbetter were just ineffective against Northampton. They were individually okay in different parts, but I thought they were just non-existent as a team and I thought they needed a bit more attack mind. Um, so I thought maybe Embleton would get a game maybe a bit deeper than he normally plays, but maybe Embleton would get a game or maybe they'd bring Gooch in. Um, but no, <laughs> it was the same old except for that shift at the back because of potentially what we think might be an injury or or, mm. or a COVID positive or something that Flanagan's got. Yeah, so. possibly, possibly. So so into the game itself then, and before we kind of go into the highlights, that what, what few highlights there were, um, <laughs> I preempted you a little bit and said that I was going to ask for your three-word reviews of uh, to kind of summarise what you've just watched. Um, so, John, I'll come to you first. Um, yeah, I was trying to think of something really creative really quickly, but... I think it's, I'm just going to go with something really obvious um, and miss out an ah and just say we need goal scorer. So let's go with that one for or three. Goal scorers. Just to make it... you, could, you, could, you could make that into a sentence with plurals. Yeah, yeah oh, we need goal nice. scorers. It'd be nice. Yeah, somebody who can score more. I mean, I think, look, everybody's going to say, you know, there's going to be a few people out there who go, look, White's got double figures. You know, yes, he has bad games and stuff, but he scores goals. And, you know, he has a couple of good games and he, he does play all right every now and then, but he's not right for getting us promoted as a number nine up top. Um, it's as simple as that. We just need somebody else. And you, know, you look at the bench and, yeah, you know, on paper, they're strong, you know, experienced players. But we know that Graham, O'Brien, um, they're just not going to cut it either in that role. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was chatting to my dad, actually, my old man, and, and I was texting him during the game and he was saying that he hopes Greg comes back fit and LJ gets the best out of him. I just I just think we need something else up there. You know, it's almost like you've got to kind of hope that he gets the best out of Greg because four or five games, if if Greg gets a run in the, in the, in the team and he's, he's played four or five games, he's not scoring, is that too late? Because by the time he's back, you know, transfer window's finished. So mm, It's a bit too late then. Yeah, do you, do you try curry? I don't know. It's one of those things. We just need something up top. Yeah, so we need goal scorers. Uh, I think all three of ours are going to be along the same sort of lines, Chris, but I'll come to you next. What what were your three words to surmise that this evening? Uh, I was bored. <laughs> okay. uh, sec- second half, it was honest. I was I was doing anything else but kind of watch, mm. the, the, watching the game was kind of secondary to doing, to, to thinking about anything. I had to stop myself from doing other things. Um, yeah. to try and kind of watch the match in the second, especially second half. I mean, first half um, was a bit more interesting, but it, it was more interesting in the fact that we were trying to match Hull up and I actually thought Hull were impressive. I, I was quite impressed with Hull first half an hour, mm. 35 minutes. I thought they were the, the better side. Uh, we came into it a bit more towards the last 10 minutes of the second half, but interestingly, it was only when uh, Eves went off injured, I thought he was showing... Charlie Wake out to play as a target man. Yeah. Brilliant performance, held it up well, turned on the ball, gave it easy, won headers in the box. I mean, imagine that. Imagine having a striker, <laughs> a big striker winning headers in the box. Amazing. Yeah. But it just showed what it can be achieved when you've got actually an 11th player up front. Yeah. yeah. Rather than that being a man down by someone who just is so ineffective, he might as well can. not be there. Um, so, mm. yeah. And, sec- <laughs> and like I said, second half was just painful, absolutely painful to watch. So. Yeah. There you I think go. the last time we had a, a number nine we could rely on to hold the ball up and score goals was Niall Quinn, wasn't it? Yeah. Since, bit, since then he's like been that. manager, chairman, yeah. bought the club, sold the club. Died so and reborn. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's how so long it's been. Yeah, so my, my three words, because I, I are uh, comfortable without threatening, because I did think we were, in, in over the course of the whole game, I did think we were fairly comfortable. I don't think either team looked like they were necessarily going to win it. But again, we we didn't really threaten 
we didn't look like we were going to go on and win the game if there if there was to be a winner. I think yeah. I think we were more comfortable than we should have been. I think mm. Hull, Hull on paper, and especially with the players they've got, I don't know whether it's the system they're playing or whether Grant McCann isn't quite perhaps right for them. I'm not sure, but you know, you look at their starting eleven. I thought they troubled us a lot more than they did. And even when Eves went off, yes, you know, I agree with Chris and McGuinness come on and did nothing, mm. but. Yeah. McGuinness coming on actually worried me at the start because I remember him being a decent player. So, yeah. you know, it's like they've got a lot of depth. They've got decent players. They've got young players. And I just I feel like with a decent manager, they'd, they'd have, they'd have yeah. destroyed us or a decent setup to destroy us. Well, McGuinness, yeah. McGuinness did his hamstring at the beginning of December and he wasn't supposed to be back till February. So I think he's come back early from his hamstring injury, but he didn't look fit when he came on. I mean, the difference between... He had after, COVID, didn't he? He's had COVID as well. Yeah. He's had, yeah. well, yeah, he had COVID as well. He lost quite a lot of weight, didn't he? I mean, it just showed the difference. Though. I mean, they had similar problems when McGuinness came on to when Eves went off as what we had just having White up front, not having yeah. that <laughs> not having that focal point up front. You know, yeah. just... You, you can only oh. get so far with the ball before it all breaks down. And that's what kept yeah. happening to us. And the, the thing for me, just a final bit before we go into the, to the bit more detail on the game, is that... People defend Wyke and say he doesn't get the service, he doesn't get this, he doesn't get that. I wouldn't say the service into Tom Eves was was particularly excellent today. He made a lot for himself. His movement yeah. inside the box, that, that header that he hit the crossbar with, was all his own movement. It wasn't a superb ball, necessarily. But the, the, the best part of Eves' game was when he was getting those passes that were essentially too short for him in the middle of our half. But he, mm. was, he was muscling his way past our kind of right or Sandinson. He was actually winning the ball, then turning and giving it in good positions. Whereas White yeah. White just doesn't give us that. He'll never yeah. he'll never come hunting for it, win it, play it easy, and he'll he'll never kind of free size. He never muscles anybody off the ball. He always seems to get knocked over. It's just mm. just the whole Charlie White thing is just bizarre to me. Yeah, Tom Tom Eves hung on to the fullbacks as well. Any chance he got, yeah. You know that's that's one hundred and one as a big man up front. You you don't stand next to your centre backs if your wingers have got the ball. You stand next to the full backs, so you're bigger than the 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 man that's jumping up with a header for you. Mm. And Charlie White is always man marked by the biggest geezer on the pitch, <laughs> and he's always out muscled, and he just can't seem to get away from them. Or if he is trying, if he isn't, if he isn't trying to get away with the, from them, why isn't he trying to get away mm. from them? It's like it's like they're stuck to him like glue, and it's it's shocking. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I could I could talk for the next half an hour about Charlie Wyke and what I think of him. Let's, let's Chris not. knows full well what my let's thoughts not. are on Charlie Wyke. Yeah, let's not. Because um, <laughs> the, the game wasn't actually that old before there were talking points. And Lee Burge went kind of from the, the sublime to the ridiculous. Uh, I thought he was he was brilliant in that save where he got hurt. It was good anticipation, good bravery against Wilt. But then, no more than a few moments later, dropped a clanger by spilling a, what looked like a very innocuous cross from George Honeyman from a free kick. Spilled it straight to the feet of Reese Burke, and lo and behold, we're we're one 0 down after a handful of minutes. Um, John, I'm going to come to you as goalkeepers' union. <laughs> Any excuse for Burge there, or is that something to label as what we would call an, an unforced error? Well, I was, I was trying to think of an excuse, and obviously, you could use the eye thing and say that he was a bit sort of I don't know, just disjointed, semi-concussed, whatever you want to call it. But if we scratch that out completely and we just talk about it as an incident on its own, an isolated incident, forgetting that. What he's looking to do, just looking on the replay, is he's trying to get in between him and the nearest attacking player. So he's trying to get his body in the way whilst also picking up the ball. This is a thing in modern goalkeepers. There's a few things in modern goalkeepers where they're just trying to do more than they actually need to do. You know, it's the whole punching versus catching thing again. There's all sorts of other nuances that keepers get involved involved with these days, you know, as sweeper keepers. But for me, looking at what he was doing and his, his eyes on the ball, 
I was thinking, you know, he needed to actually get to the ball before anyone else, and he's waiting for it to come to him, and he's mm. moved away from it to get in, in between him and the defend the attacker. And I'm just thinking, yeah, I, I don't know what was going through his head. So yeah, if <laughs> if he wasn't concussed, then uh, it was a shocker, a proper shocker, um, and certainly not me down a few points on the on the score and the rating. So yeah. So. Apart from that, you know, he did the he did the the save that got him injured. He, he made another flap, and he you know it, it looked he made it look worse than it was. But there was a shot or a cross, and he flapped at it, and it ended up being a free kick anyway. Mm. As soon as as soon as that happened with Wilkes, he was out of it. He was out of sorts, and um, didn't look like well, he didn't look like half the player he is, which which isn't always that great of a keeper anyway. So yeah, I think it definitely it definitely affected him, and it, it wasn't surprised necessarily to see him come off at half time no but we didn't have an awful lot of time to to stew on that because again kind of almost from nowhere we we'd equalized a quick free kick from from grant legbitter took pretty much everybody bar jack diamond by surprise um just kind of clipped it into the channel it didn't look like diamond was going to get there all of a sudden he did get there and he's just kind of hoied a, a high ball looping ball across back across goal and surprisingly aiden mcgeady was on the end of it to, to head it back across goal and like I said, from from nowhere, uh, we're we're back to to one one. Um, so Chris, whilst for me, obviously we'll take it. I think we were fortunate for some very very poor defending there from Hall. Uh, probably more so than anything else. What what do you think? Yeah, it, our goal made me laugh. To be honest, when I was actually watching the game, I actually laughed a bit, crying out loud. But I I just think it's one. Of, it's kind of it's almost perfect symbolism of of us scored going forward of of our attacking play. It was like. You know, Ledbetter spotted Diamond, good vision. But even then, he still nearly overplayed the pass and it mm. nearly went out for a goal kick. Diamond kind of had to wait for it to drop nicely for him before it went out for a goal kick. And then just just thought, I've just got to hook it anywhere I can. And then Aidan McGeady ran up and headed it in, which, I mean, you know, it the whole, the goal kind of summed up. It's just our kind of ad hoc let's just keep pump, pumping it up in the air in the box and, you know, someone might, it might hit someone or someone might hit it and, and it might go in. It's just, it's kind of hit and hope. It's hope for the best and that's how we scored. It, it kind of felt like a, a strange goal. Yeah, it was, it was a strange one. I was kind of, I was almost had to double take that it had even gone in um, mm. and it wasn't until we, we saw the replays that actually McGeady had lost Honeyman, uh, which, which was nice. So Honeyman's still doing his work for us <laughs> despite not being at the club. Um, but I was surprised that none of the ball was in the air for that long, John. I'm surprised that none of the whole defenders actually bothered to make an attempt to try and win the ball because you know Aidan McGeady's not exactly a towering six foot four centre half to to get up there and, and win a, a floated ball in. Yeah, I think they were a bit static. They weren't expecting what was happening. It sort of like like Chris said, they they were probably setting up and still thinking about what was going to come their way because it, it was taken quickly. But no, I think <laughs> I think Aidan's gone and got like a bit of pace on his run, so. He's got a bit of sort of momentum, um, and I think any centre back or anyone who's tall and got up for a header against someone who's smaller than them, if you're flat footed, they can still get above you. So I can vouch for that. The funniest thing about the goal for me was the commentators <laughs> when it went in. They both went, "Oh, it's gone in!" <laughs> and <they> just burst out <laughs> yeah, laughing. I think that summed up what everybody was yeah, thinking yeah, at the yeah. time. Yeah. yeah, and I think to be yeah. fair, the keeper, I think the keeper was just as shocked as everybody else. He was stood there and he was looking around and he was thinking, how's that gone in? And I've been there before, you know, where you think you're positioned well, you think your defenders should do a job because they should be more prepared. Mm. But actually you were a bit flat-footed as well. And you're looking in your bottom corner thinking, how's that gone in when it's someone who never scores headers and it's just one of them, you just got to stick your hands up and go, well, let's just crack on with the game. 
I was thinking the same as you, John. I thought, how has the keeper not even made an attempt for that? Because it seemed like it wasn't too far away from him. And there was a camera angle from behind McGeady. And actually, he put it so far in the corner. When I saw that angle, I actually thought, I didn't have a, much of a chance, really, the keeper. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. He mm. probably would have seen it a bit late as well because he, he kind of, McGeady kind of looped the header over one of the centre half. Mm. So it was almost directly yeah. in front of the where it actually went in in, in the goal. Yeah. Um, Whether yeah, he meant we'll, to do we'll, that we'll or not, it. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It went in, didn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So we'll take it. I said, another kind of talking point. Well, is it a talking point? I, I guess we're, we're about to find out. So about 10 minutes from the end, Diamond takes advantage from Hull sleeping yet again. Um, and colliding with the keeper. Um, now, having looked back at it, it's actually a, a very good tackle, or the, the, the defender's won the ball. But my opinion is that he's nudged the ball past and beyond the keeper, and then the keeper has clattered Diamond to prevent him actually getting the other side and potentially having a tap-in in an open goal. Now, for me, if if there's a, a, you know, a VAR decision or something like that, the, the referee brings that back and it, all right, it might not be a, a red card or I think, and I think it was just outside the box, but he certainly brings that back for a free kick. And that actually should have been a lot better a chance than, than it ended up being. Mm. John, did you think anything different of that? What were your thoughts at the time? No, it's def- definitely that. I mean, it, it's League One refereeing, isn't it? It's like, it's, it's almost like they've lost track of how to implement the rules because the guy's got a tackle in, but he's not touched Diamond. The keepers took Diamond out because Diamond, like you said, the guys put the tackle in, great tackle. If the keeper's nowhere to be seen, Diamond runs onto that. He doesn't go anywhere because it's going towards the, the side of the pitch or the corner. It probably went out for a throw. The keeper's there. He's come all the way out. It's a mistake by the keeper. How many times do you see it? a mistake by the keeper in the Premier League punished? And whether it's VAR or not, I think the Premier League ref would have picked that up and given them a free kick. Let's sort of play devil's advocate with with everybody that's probably fuming about that situation. I actually just think it's a yellow because the fact that the defender got the ball away, the referee's going to look at that. And if they are going to play the game properly, they'll give us a free kick and give the keeper a yellow. Mm. And Diamond would probably have been all right with that. A bit aggrieved that obviously he didn't get a chance to run onto the ball, but he was nowhere near the ball. The defender made a great tackle, yeah. do you know what I mean? The fact that the keeper came flying out, smashed him to bits, play carried on like nothing happened. It was like, come on, you know, this is this is absolutely ridiculous. It, you, you can make mistakes and still give free kicks. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not like you don't. The referee shouldn't stand there and go, "Oh, we didn't mean to do it, so it's okay." Mm. Like, I'm sorry, not in that instance. Not in that instance at yeah. all. He could have run on to get the ball, like you say. It's yeah. I think for me, if if that's not a goalkeeper and that's an out, two outfield players, it's a free kick and a, and a yellow card yeah. all day long. Yeah. Um, you, yeah. and you picked up on on, on the ref, standard of refereeing, John, and and there was there's quite was quite a bit of fume in the uh, in the group chat and on social media as well directly after the game about the the ref. So, Chris, do, what were your thoughts on the refereeing performance? Because I I don't I don't necessarily share the the rage that seems to have been flying around after that game. Nah, it's because you're used to it. You're <laughs> yeah, used to it's uh, it's not one of them where you, we'll finish the game and I'm thinking, oh, that ref cost us two points or cost us, you know, whatever. I'm, I don't have any of those feelings after the game. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm with John on um, that one with Diamond. It it was a free kick, but I've seen those not given as well at the same time. I don't think it was like 100% nailed on. I do mm. think it was. It should have been a free kick. I also think, actually, I only saw it briefly, but I think there, there was a hint of offside in their goal. If you look before the free kick was okay. was just before the free kick was played, yeah, one of their one of their front men was was slight looked slightly offside, but I only saw they didn't have mm. any replay on it, which I thought they should have. But um, but I thought there was that. But yeah, I'm I'm the same as you, but I didn't I didn't have a feeling that would have been robbed. Uh, ref, 
referees, I think today's was uh, similar to what we see every week. I just I come yeah. away from all of the games thinking they're poor, but actually, generally, <laughs> they're poor for both sides. And I thought actually a couple of times we got away with stuff tonight. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought he was crap for both teams to be honest. Which which is makes it fair, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Else. You can't really feel aggrieved. Um, so so the the rest of that half kind of kind of petered out. I think the best thing that could have possibly happened for Sunderland in the last bit of that uh, that first half, sorry, was was Eves pulling his calf because mm. uh, he was causing Definitely. some problems, particularly for uh, McFadzian and, and Sanderson. So he comes off. Uh, Josh McGuinness comes on, um, and that takes us through into half time really. And half time is one all, but it really we should have been two one down with the chances that that Tom Eves had. Mm. Some interesting changes at half time. Uh, Matthews for Burge, perhaps not that shocking if if he was struggling with his eye. But Chris Gooch for McLaughlin and Power going to right back. <laughs> Thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if. Um... Well, I don't know if it was tactical or not. I mean, it was, you know, McLaughlin had, um, he had a kind of indifferent first half. He looked good at times, one-on-one with Wilkes, and he got done a few times. So it was kind of 50-50 there. I don't see why Power was going to make that any better at right back. Um, Maybe maybe he just thinks Power was better on the ball. Because actually one thing, one thing I did notice from McLaughlin first half, and I, I, just looking at my notes, what, what I was thinking at the time was um, when he went forward, he, he, his crossing was awful. Mm. He seemed to he seemed to get like support Diamond okay, get there, and then when he got there and Diamond gave him it, he just kicked it out of play or kicked it straight at the keeper or kicked it straight yeah. at the first man. So there was no point in him doing all that running because all he was doing was wasting his time when he got there. Mm. Maybe maybe that was his thinking, thinking power might be actually more effective if, if he does all that running on the right-hand side. Mm. Um, and maybe McLaughlin was knackered, I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, it was a bit of a strange one to go with power. I think I think Wilkes was slightly getting the upper hand of McLaughlin as well. You know the the little kind of niggle that they had where where McLaughlin kind of pulled his boot and stopped him from running. You could tell mm. that there was kind of some shenanigans going on there. And Wilkes was probably their their biggest threat. So yeah, not surprised. More surprised at, at who actually ended up going at, at, at right back. And the second half, you know, the first, I thought I thought the first fifteen minutes of the second half was all Sunderland with again without really creating anything apart from that one brilliant cross that that Gooch. Uh, put in, which did deserve um, deserved a lot should or well, should have had a lot better from it, um, and overlapping runs from Max Power at right back as well, mm-hmm. opening up the chance to he to get that cross in, which uh, which was amusing. Uh, so yeah, so that that was probably the only chance until um, my favourite player, Old Chazza, uh, failed to direct the ball in to an empty net from three yards, <laughs> and I'm probably well, I am deliberately being a little facetious there, John, but should he have done better with that? Yeah. Okay, maybe it's not just me then. <laughs> no, no point. No point lingering on it. We don't want to talk about it all night. But yeah, he should have put that in. I mean, it looked like it bounced up like it. It was one of them again where you're trying to find an excuse, and it looked like it bounced up perfectly. I looked at the replay, and I was like, I you know, you can't even say it was a bubble. You can't even say it wasn't the right height. You can't even say it was too fast for him. It was a massive, massive indictment of him not being in the right position, not being. Uh, ready on his toes, whatever you want to call it, real basic n- number nine stuff. Uh, and he was, yeah, he should have put it in. It, it just doesn't seem to know how to go for the ball, how there to play a, football. Yeah, well, yeah, okay, yeah. Let, we'll just we'll just go one further and go for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, yeah, I'm I'm out of excuses for him. Um, so yeah, okay, then well, I'll, I'll accept that we're unanimously agreed that he should uh, he should have done better with that, and he's rubbish. Yeah. Uh, so seventy five minutes. Maguire, Edmonton and Graham come on for Diamond, Wyke and McGeady. And for me, uh, Chris, I'll come to you with this. So it, for me, though, it was quite refreshing to see a Sunderland manager not try and shut up shop 
and play for the draw in the last 15 minutes of a game. Like I say, quite refreshing for me. Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, it was. I was sitting mm. there. I, it was kind of one of those, like I said, I was trying not to do something else in the second half. So when, when this change came, I was sitting there rubbing my hands thinking, yes, right, triple substitution. Right, we're in business here. And uh, nothing changed. It almost made the game worse, it, didn't it? It was just as, well, nothing changed. It was exactly the yeah. same flat game before the subs as it was after. Your subs are supposed to get a bit of freshness, get a bit of energy, and there was nothing. Um, Embleton tried to find... I saw him kind of darting from one side to the other when Ledbetter had the ball, but we weren't playing those passes down the middle. <laughs> it was too, yeah. we, were playing, we were playing it out wide all the time. Going again. out wide again. They all yeah. reverted to type and were going out wide, and I was like... Play a pass through the middle, we might actually get somewhere. Mm. But yeah, I mean, Graham hardly had a touch. And Maguire just looks so unfit. I don't, I don't mm. know if it's just me, but he looks massive and unfit. And I've got that much confidence in Maguire at the minute. He just he yeah, doesn't. He's look, anonymous at the moment, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he just doesn't look uh, doesn't look much fit. But um, yeah, didn't change anything. But I mean, at least he tried something. But um, sometimes that'll mm. come off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that, well, that was that was pretty much it, with the exception of. Probably at well at the time in live real time half a penalty shape on Leadbitter in the last ten minutes. So I don't know about you two, but I was screaming for it at the time. But you know one of the good things about being on Sky for a change is you get the replays, <laughs> you get the alternative camera angles, and actually, uh, John, it was it was a pretty decent tackle in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, it was inch perfect. It was it was scarily perfect. It was one of them it could go massively wrong, and uh, yeah, I was the same. I thought Leadbitter sort of went down. Ledbetter goes down like a sack of spuds quite a bit and he wins a lot of free kicks in different areas and you know they're not free kicks but he wins them and that's fair you know it's a tactic it's a way to do things but uh, yeah he theatrically kind of flew himself flung himself to the ground and yeah the replay served uh, Malik Wilkes um, uh, well in the end because it was a great tackle yeah and then from there like I say the game the game petered out there was one other moment uh, which I'll be honest, I did have my heart in my mouth. Uh, was when Wilkes kind of cross come shot bounced up, and it looked like it for a split second it almost might have looped over uh, Remy Matthews. And given his track record, there was a bit of a heart in mouth moment, but it wasn't to be. Um, and that's how it finished, one all. You know, with with Charlton and Ipswich losing, Peterborough and Lincoln drawing. It's a, another opportunity to close the gap that's that's not been taken. <laughs> it's frustrating, and actually, we don't have as many games in hand as we thought we might have had on everybody uh, when when we started cancelling games because of COVID. So it's um it's going to be a hard winter and spring, I think, if we're going to salvage anything from this season. But we'll we'll come on to the ratings. That's what that's what we're here for. I'm going to start off. I'm going to kick off with with Lee Burge. Um, I gave him a four. I know you said earlier, John, that you also had him as a as a four. Yeah, um, you know did. he did pull off a couple of decent <laughs> saves, but you you can't score any higher than a four if you gifted them a a goal. Yeah, it's a four for four for me. Chris Conor McLaughlin. Um, Conor McLaughlin, I had as a five. Um, I thought like I, I kind of touched on when we're talking about the game. I thought uh, at times he looked like he just got done, like Wilkes had him, and then at other times you thought, oh, okay, he's doing a good job there. It was kind of you know it was it was to and fro, but I. I if it was just that and he was decent on the ball when he went forward, he might have slipped into a six. But uh, every time he went forward, he gave it away. So he stuck at a five. Yeah. Okay, that's fair enough. Anything different for you there, John? No, I put a five as well, actually. Genius. Yeah. Okay, well, you can take uh, Bailey Wright then. Uh, so I start first half, half time, I gave him a five, but I moved him up to a six. I thought he worked pretty hard. Uh, standard Bailey Wright performance, nothing fancy. He got a dodgy yellow in the first half. That's why I dropped him down to a five, but... I say dodgy yellow. It just seemed like he was a bit frustrated, and at times he was he was 
you know, gen- genuinely frustrated because of everything going on around him and in front of him like normal. But no, it was a solid performance. Six for me in the end. Yeah. No, I've got him as a as a six as well. And um, and I'm going to carry on and take uh, Dion Sanderson, who I thought was, was very, very good on the whole. I've given him a seven. I'm still not convinced he's a centre-back. I'm, I'm, in my mind, I'm adamant he's a, he's a right back and a very, very good right back. I think his one-on-one defending is absolutely superb. And it, that was highlighted, I think, just towards the end. There was kind of a one-on-one he had. can't remember who it was with, but he held him up perfectly and got a, got a toe in and one possession back. The problem I've got with him is that he doesn't seem to be able to mark. You know, he did struggle with the movement of Tom Eaves. And there was the couple of times where he got in, he just kind of drifted off the back of him, which you can get away with a little bit as a right back. You can't get away with it as a centre back. But nevertheless, on the ball, he was decent. Um, his one-on-one defending was was very, very good. So I've got him as a seven. Yeah. Um, either of you two got anything different I for that? just wanted to say on Sanderson, I mean, I, I gave him a six, but um, I just think he looks so classy. I think just, mm. I mean, if you think as well, I mean, this was what, I think he's played about, like this is like his 20th, senior game or something yeah. I mean I don't think he's even played 20 games I think he played 10 for Cardiff or something and he's played a handful for us and just to be that good and and I think as he gets older he's going to be a top class centre half I think he's going to yeah. grow into a top class centre half like said, he might be better at right back now just because of he, how young he is and how pace he is but I mean I like his pace I like how he how he is on the ball I like his shoes I just like everything about him you know it's just <laughs> Um, he just looks a, a class apart, and I just think he's going to get better and better if we keep him in the team. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't disagree with that. Uh, so sticking with you then, Chris, uh, Mister McFadden, uh, five, similar to to McLaughlin, but he was possibly possibly a bit worse than McLaughlin slightly. But I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt of five. Just um, anonymous, really. Yeah, he didn't get kind of skinned down the there, there right our left all the time, but. Um, hmm. Same time, nothing going forward, and uh, we looked kind of vulnerable on on either flank. So down as yeah. a five. The one thing I would the one thing I would say about him is he was almost exclusively on his own on that left hand side with mm. McGeady constantly drifting in into the centre. Uh, but yeah, you're right. No, nothing really spectacular at either end of the pitch, but equally nothing drastic either. Mm. Um, so we're going to move into the midfield, and John, you've got Josh Scoen. I went for a six. I, I like Josh Scoen. I think I think there's a player in him. And again, I was, I was sort of chatting beforehand uh, before coming on, and yeah, I think he, I think he would do better and get higher scores if he was with partners that suited his style of play. But he sort of grows into games sometimes. He starts quite poorly sometimes, and then he grows into them. And I think, but he's got he's got a skill. He's got he's got something about him. I just think, yeah, nothing to sort of say he made any mistakes. His movement was good. A few decent passes. He's got a lot of energy. Um, so you know, you can't hammer him, but then. Should we be asking more from him? So six for me. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I I, I rated Scoen uh, a little bit higher. Actually, I had him as a seven. I thought he was very, very good. I thought he did a lot of the dirty work that mm. that goes unnoticed by by many. I think he won the ball back very well and and recycled it when he needed to. And I don't remember too many times where he actually gave it away unnecessarily. Uh, so I had him as one of the better ones today. I had him as a, a seven. And I'll pick up Grant Ledbitter and just simply a, a six. I don't think he, you know, he played the ball in for the for the goal. I don't think he really did anything else, really. Um, so yeah, six and, and we'll move on to Max Power with you, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I, I had just, just on Ledbitter quickly, I had, I had him down as a five. I thought he was poor today, Ledbitter. I had him as a four. I had him yeah. as a four. I thought he was uh, really right, okay. I, I thought he was yeah. poor today. Um, Moved on too soon. Max Power, I had in midfield, I had him down as a four. Um, I thought he was awful first half. 
it just did not keep the ball, did not keep possession for us. Tried to play worldies every time he got it, and he he hasn't got the capability of doing it or the confidence of doing it. He he was just he was just awful first half. Uh, second half moved to right back. He was a lot better. Um, so I stuck him down as a five. Okay. Yeah, I've got him as a five overall as as well. John, you got Jack Diamond. Uh, Jack Diamond, I had. I gave him a seven. I think he had a good game. I think he's raw. I think we all know he's raw. We all know he's got talent. But he, he had a good game. He did a lot. He did a lot more than we normally see from him. He had a lot more involvement. I think that's because you you, you know you, you play to your strengths, and if someone's sort of having a good five or ten minutes, you start pinging balls to them. But hmm. he was involved in a lot more than normal, and I, I think he's a he's a real sort of. Uh, star shall we say rather than the usual analogy of he's a diamond in the rough kind of thing he's a real star coming through um i think we just need to um bear with him a bit um we need to sort of teach he obviously needs to be taught a few things here and there but he certainly troubled their left backs i mean they, they changed their left back throughout the second half but I'm not sure whether that's anything to do with it but um now he had a good game so i'll give him a seven yeah. Well, yeah. just quickly, I had him as a seven. Yeah, go on, Chris. Yeah, right. just quickly, John. That that Fleming you're talking about, he should have been booked first off for chopping Di- diamond cut inside, and he yeah, should have gotten a yellow horrible. card for that. It was horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, had, I had him as a, a seven as well. I thought he was very quiet second half, but his first half performance warrants him warrants him a seven. Um, so I'll pick up Aidan McGee. I've also got a seven. Actually, w- without the kind of the flair that we associate with Aidan McGee, I thought it was a very very good performance. You know, he drifted in centrally all the time, looking to get on the ball. And actually, some of the stuff he did off the ball defensively, I thought was very good today as well. There's a couple of really, really good tackles he put in, really good stops. Probably not the type of Aidan McGeady that we were used to seeing um, and probably not the type of Aidan McGeady that we actually needed today because we were lacking in that kind of flair area with exception on, on at times of, of Diamond. But I thought his performance was very, very good. I gave him a seven. And if anyone's got any different to that, no, I, I only nudged, I only nudged it to a seven point five a little bit because it, I just found him he was battling really hard and he was yeah. like you say he was getting stuck in and I've never seen that in him in God knows how long so nudged it up to seven point five but I was going to give him a seven. Yeah. Okay, Chris, you, you've got my uh, my favourite player. I'm oh. going to leave you with Charlie White. So I got Charlie White. <laughs> well, we're going to have to we're going to have to decide what I mean. What do the the bottom kind of numbers mean? Is like one that he turns up. Is two that he puts his strip on. <laughs> It's three. It's three that he makes it onto the pitch without tripping up or something. I don't know. I mean, how low do you go? Well, it depends if we're using the Charlie White scale or <laughs> yeah. the, the the normal scale that we judge everyone else against. I mean, that's it. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, like you said, if he gets a couple of marks, you know, like you know, GCSEs, you get like what two marks for writing your name correctly and stuff. I don't know if it's the same here. You know that he. Well, what you could do, what you could do, <laughs> is give him as many points as he has for touches on the ball because he has like three touches a game, doesn't he? So you can just give him a yeah. three. Well, that's it. I mean, I'll give I'll give him one for turning up the right stadium. I'll give him another one. <laughs> I'll give him another one for putting his shorts on. But let's give him a two just for getting his strip on and getting out in the picture. Oh. John, what did you have, Maz? Incidentally, I had him right. This is probably quite generous, actually. But I had him as a four in the end because, and I wrote I wrote in my notes. I put had two good touches. <laughs> that rest, is not a benchmark for giving right. somebody a four. The final bit I put was he ran a bit more than I've seen him the last few weeks. <laughs> well, I mean, Plumenek. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if he gets an extra mark for running. I don't know. Give him a three. Then too, too nice. But like I said at the beginning, I think I think Eve showed him how to actually be a striker in that first half. He had a, he had a yeah. kind of front row seat to see how how a striker should act. Yeah. Hopefully he's had, a, he he's had enough of them. He won't have been watching. No, yeah, he wasn't watching disagree. the ball. That's for sure. No. No. So I'll quickly blitz through the uh, 
the the substitutes then. Um, so I haven't rated Maguire, Embotton or Graham because I don't think they were on long enough to, to to really judge them, even though you could argue that they didn't really do anything and were probably fives across mm. the board. Um, but Lyndon Gooch, I gave a six. Uh, I thought he had a lot of endeavour, a lot of you know energy and enthusiasm again without necessarily creating anything without with exception sorry of that cross that he put in which our boy missed uh remy matthews six again didn't really have anything to do and didn't do anything wrong uh so that brings us to the gaffer i've actually rated him as a seven uh result aside you know on paper the result isn't a terrible one i didn't really watch the Northampton game, so I can't judge him against uh, against kind of keeping the same sort of team. Uh, but I thought the changes that he made showed some endeavour. I think on reflection, maybe that's a little bit too generous. Yeah, but I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm going to say I'm going to still say a seven. I said six purely for the opposite reason of what you said. I think he should have made. <laughs> I think he should have made changes sooner. But then the changes he made, <clears throat> whilst they're a little bit forced because of the positions that the subs play, um, you know, I don't think. <sighs> Diamond and Magidi, one of them should have stayed on, I think, at that point. But yeah, what what do you do in in a different? I I would have took off Ledbetter, but then a lot of people said that he was playing really well. I'd have took him off, put Embleton in the middle, um, and then left one of uh, Diamond and Magidi on. Mm. Um, yeah. But no, I th- I think the subs should have been sooner. It was seventy five, seventy six minutes, and I just think, you know, I know we we hammered Parky all the time, and I know he's already showed a lot more because he's chucking loads of subs on, and he's really going for it, but. Sooner, man, sooner. Like he could have, it, it started to be deflated around 60, 65. So make the subs then. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, White, White could have gone off on 10th minute. So yeah. yeah. Or not at all. Yeah. Not as in not started at all. Yeah. Uh, Chris, what did you have? What did you have, uh, Mr. Johnson today? I had him down as a five because, like I said at the beginning, I just thought how any person can watch that Northampton game and then say, right, same again, lads. Uh, I, I don't, mm. I don't get that at all. Something, something had to change. You've got to change it up. You've got to freshen it up and say, well, you know, that didn't work that day. Um, and and Northampton were poor, and we didn't even look, didn't even come close to breaking them down. Didn't even look. Yeah. If we'd played all night, we wouldn't have scored against Northampton. Um, so he needed to change it. He didn't. Yes, he he tried it, but we're going back to kind of parky time. Last quarter of an hour, it finally makes a change, and okay, he made a triple substitution. I was with John. I don't know. I think at least one of the wide men, Diamond McGeady, keep on. Diamond looked like he he was uh, second half. He was the only outlet we had to, to get some crosses in. Um, and he, he looked like he was dangerous second half. You know, like John said, take Ledbetter off, go for it. You know, take your holding player out, go for a more attacking player in there. If you're going to go for the win, go for it. Don't just change personnel, but, you know, change the, the system that you're playing if we're not creating something. So a bit disappointed with Lee Johnson, to be honest. Yeah. Got him as a five. That's that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I think I'm probably giving him the benefit of the doubt in that perhaps he couldn't have made as many changes as he wanted to because of fitness and sharpness or how much training people had done. So I'll give him, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt on that, having not seen the Northampton game. And maybe I'm still being suckered in by the fact that on 75 minutes, those substitutions wouldn't have been like for like. They would have been defensive in, in a Parkinson team. Uh, so maybe I've been maybe I've been seduced by that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that... that, that Kind of rounds up where we're at at the minute on 30 points, 19 games played, three points off of fourth place. That's how tight it is down there. But like I said, we no longer have kind of those games in hand. We don't have as many games in hand on people as we we thought we might have two or three weeks ago. Uh, so still all to do. Um, plenty of work to do in January as well, I, I think, from the uh, from the transfer window. But that's 
probably for a discussion for another time. So the only thing I did want to just touch on, and it's been mentioned on some of the social medias, is the uh, charity challenge that we are doing, or a handful of us are doing this season. Uh, So last January, uh, John did something similar. But this year, a handful of us are trying to do 1,084 miles in January between us, which is the distance between Stadium of Light and Wembley. I'm back twice. Uh, Seeing as Sunderland could do it twice, we're going to try and succeed in doing that where Sunderland failed in the times they went to Wembley. Um, So far as we stand, we're a third of the way through the month um, and we're pretty much a bang on a third of the way through the miles. But what I'm here to do is is plead for anyone who's listening, uh, if they could donate, uh, if you could go to www.gofundme.com forward slash rr542. All the proceeds go to Calm, which campaign against Living Miserably, uh, who provides services to help prevent suicide and, and combat depression. So it's a very, very worthy cause in what they do. Uh, they provide uh, phone lines, web chat services, text services to, to people who do reach crisis point. So a very, very worthy cause. And we're all getting a little bit fit or fitter um, on the on the back of it as well. So any support you can give uh, would be very much appreciated. Uh, all that's left for me to do is thank you, Chris, for joining me. No problem at all. Thanks, Bomber. And also thank you to you, John, and keep those miles going. Thanks, Bomber. Yes, uh, please donate. Thank you very much. Yeah, lovely. I, I can echo that. Please, if, if you can, anything that you can give, it would be very much appreciated. But we'll be back with, uh, with an extra and to hopefully preview uh, another game that's not been cancelled due to COVID. So until then, thanks a lot for listening. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.